Recently, I saw a picture of a woman's kitchen in Paris. She had returned home from three months of quarantine to her apartment, only to find that the cluster of potatoes she'd left in the bin beneath the sink had sprouted long pink roots, and these tendrils had broken through the caulk near the wall, through the grout, and were reaching up toward the ceiling, towards the sky. Now, I confess, it looked like an alien scene in there, and had I stumbled across that one night on the way to the little Dale's room... <laughs> I would have surely screamed, packed my things, and moved the heck out of there. But it's another reminder that we must tend to things, even the things we've kept buried or hidden or unaddressed. For even that which is left in a plastic tub in the dark will still seek the light, will keep growing, and become something larger than itself. So tend to your hidden tubers, friends, and let's reach toward the light together here. In the deep night. Oh, friends, hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, and I am so honored to be your host, guide, and metaphorical potato herder. For this next hour of regrets and revelations, we call the deep night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And, oh, she shudders in newfound warmth, our Gowani does. Summer is upon us. The solstice has come and gone. I hope your celebrations were satisfactory. And now we have shorter days to enjoy whatever this moment in our history is. I mean, thank goddess. <laughs> and so much is happening, and so many conspiracies are spreading. Are the endless fireworks the work of disgruntled police officers? Are TikTok teens going to save us? Are the spiders that are suddenly everywhere in our apartment some kind of government spying plot? Probably yes. But also, wear a mask. That's just science. Science is not a scam. Take it from me, a gold medalist in the National Science Olympiad, 1990. But things have been happening at a maddeningly slow pace and accelerated all at once. And I'm very glad that fellas in comedy are being called out in their poor, harmful behavior. I tell you, we decided long ago that straight male comedians could be problematic, so we made the choice to feature more women and more non-binary people on the show and, and people who fit on all sorts of areas on the spectrum of gender and identity to try and amplify other voices, but mostly to not give the Cretans among us another platform, and I stand by that decision. we got to show more respect to one another. If we're given the chance, let's reset to that as a default setting on our personal selves. Reboot with a respect patch in the old matrix of ours. Can you tell I've been doing some shadow work in my online decentralizing classes? Well, I have. Now, I also have a lot of respect for my guest today. Alicia Brown is a very funny comedian who I was introduced to in Boise, Idaho, when we were out there. And I, I think I've talked to almost every New York comedian I met at that festival because it was a fine time. And it was so great to have to travel all the way across the country just to meet people who live a few blocks from here. But that's how New York is. That's how comedy is. We all run in different circles till we get to a festival. And then we just run in one circle. And just a program note on this little BTS behind the scenes that no one really knows or cares about, but I had wanted to have Alicia on the show for a while, since Boise, in fact. And it took a little while for things to align as they do, and then everything fell apart, and we were, uh, 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 we were able to reconnect. 
And then uh, we recorded our interview, and then it vanished, just like that. There's nothing like being involved in podcasting for as long as I have, and then to suddenly have to learn all new technology. Oh, it's wonderful. And I still don't understand what happened, but it went away. And then I reached out to the company, and then there it was again. <sighs> Miracles do happen. Have hope, ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between. Uh, were we uh, able to save this conversation? Yes, we were, which I'm very grateful for. So anyway, it's a long ways to say that I'm very appreciative of Alicia Brown. She's someone uh, you'll want to keep your attention on, so follow her on Instagram and Twitter, at Alicia Brown, and Brown is spelled with a zero. So uh, uh, that's fun. Let's get to it. My conversation now with comedian Alicia Brown. Alicia Brown, welcome to The Deep Night. Thank you for having me, first of all. <laughs> Absolutely. And listen, thank you for being flexible on scheduling this. I had, of course, wanted to talk to you since we first met at the 208 Fest in Boise, which uh, it seems impossible that that was just this last fall. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Right? Yeah, it's crazy that the year's almost over. <laughs> We're at the halfway point, at least. Uh, but, yeah. uh, I mean, it's been almost a year since then, hasn't it? It feels like a lifetime. Has, has, has I imagine, has time been moving differently for you? Yeah, I think it's still March. Um, <laughs> yes. I know it's June, but my brain's like, it's March. And, yeah, like, I, I feel like because of COVID, I just feel like time has just stopped, and I'm hoping that when it's over, we just start back in March because that would be really great. That, you know, that, ooh, that's a good idea. It's a good idea. Well, Whenever I go outside now and I see that it's warm and kind of summery, I think, well, I just missed a season. I yeah. missed an entire season. How did that happen? I know how it happened. Global warming. <laughs> well, that too. Yes, <laughs> everything's getting warmer all the time. Um, but we did have uh, uh, some scheduled uh, schedule time on the books, and then uh, protests came up and have kept up, thank goodness. Uh, and if you don't mind me asking, what was your experience out there uh, uh, protesting? So the first time I went out, I was meeting friends, and I think that was not a great idea because this is when the police were, like, more escalating it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, were they, were they not escalating it at one point? Seems every time they show up, it's a problem. Yeah. Right. So I'm approaching this protest and I see helicopter, a helicopter, like kind of being low and like kind of looking like it's about to land on people. Right. So everyone stops and looks up and like, what's, what is this helicopter doing? So I get closer and there's a line of police and someone, I see like a baton go up. And I hear someone say, okay, it's time for us to go. And I'm thinking, okay, I need to go too. Right. So the police are like just angry. I don't know. They're issues. Um, and I'm leaving and I'm seeing 30 police uh, wagons, fans like coming to arrest protesters. And um, this is also the protest that happens where I think if you saw it on Twitter where they run into a crowd like the police do. And I think Mayor de Blasio was like, well, they shouldn't have been there or some shit like that. Um, and so it's like very scary. It's very scary right now. Like just the fact that like these police are out to literally hurt us. Um, right. Yes. And then I went to a protest last week where it was so much better. It was like the police weren't escalating, but I think that was because they had placed the curfew. Uh huh. But this was at 3 p.m. And 
I felt such a community with everyone there and it was hot, but it was nice and it was beautiful. And, um, I walked like six miles. So, uh, I was very sore the next day cause you know, in quarantine I'm walking maybe like less than a mile a day and then doing six and just randomly I'm like, okay, it was, but it was great. It was worth it. Definitely worth it. Yes. Yes. I've certainly gone soft in, uh, <laughs> quarantine just getting up the <laughs> stairs uh is a challenge sometimes Honestly. with the mask and all that um but uh, oh, yeah well, you know yeah it's crazy because i'm also very paranoid and a a low-key like uh hypochondriac so if i can't breathe i'm thinking oh no i got covid like this is the first this is the first sign. Exactly. Yes. Yes. There's a lot to be afraid of. <laughs> and I can't yeah. imagine going through a pandemic as a hypochondriac, although I am also very alert and uh, aware of every cough and sore throat and uh, every little bit that happens. Mm-hmm. It's very... Uh, Everything. I, go ahead. Yeah. And you're stuck and you're stuck inside too. So I'm like, oh no, I can't go to a doctor because if I go to a doctor, then the I might get a COVID there or... You know, it's like my brain just, it's its bad. So yes. I just can't wait to escape. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If that happens, I guess, at this, we're not sure. Uh, but, uh, well, I'm very, uh, uh, you know, you don't need it for me, but I, I'm grateful for you being out there and uh, certainly stand with you on all this stuff. And I, I hope that we're able to find some progress uh, going forward. Um, yeah, me too. Though I also know that... Uh, White people have not been uh, great in terms of keeping promises. So <laughs> very flawed from the start, this yeah. place. But I also wanted to thank yeah. you uh, because of, uh, you know, trying to pay attention to what's happening out there. You tipped me off to a fund for black-owned businesses that may have been uh, damaged. And uh, I was able to send some donations their way as well as some others. So uh, thanks for posting all of that. Oh, no problems. Yeah, I love to, you know, keep people informed especially white people who comment all lives matter on my oh. facebook pro- uh posts so it's great <laughs> yes especially especially and uh, though i'm uh, not walking i'm trying to let my money do some walking uh, for me uh, but um I do appreciate all of the work that's happening. And, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you uh, after uh, Boise because you're just so funny. And I wanted to ask you what that experience was like for you uh, because I was a little nervous for my own reasons going in there. Uh, Were were you nervous about that festival? A hundred percent. I Googled the... uh, My biggest thing is I talk a lot about being black in my stand-up and... It's so funny because I Googled the um, black percentage there and it was like 0.05%. In Boise. I was like, oh God, I don't know how. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. And um, I was pleasantly surprised because I think what Liquid Laughs, I think, yeah, Liquid Laughs was like what, 250 people maybe there? 200? 100? I don't know. Can't count. Yep. Um, And I saw one black person. I was like, okay, I'm probably going to bomb. And the fact is, like, I felt so good and so comfortable that they received it so well. Yeah. And I'm talking about things that aren't easy to talk about. And the fact that all these white people were just like, oh, she's good. And having so many people come after me, come up to me after the show felt very, like, rewarding. I'm like, okay, this is exactly, you know, the kind of comedy I want to keep doing. And the fact that these white people laughed and understood was very surprising, especially in 
Boise, Idaho. Yes, yes. No, I, I mean, I, you know, what I do is maybe a little bit odd anyhow. And so, to, especially when I have to do stand-up, I thought, oh, gosh, what is this going to be? And uh, mm-hmm. this is just going to be a tough five minutes of dying. Uh, but then it was, as you said, warmly received, and it was such a nicely run festival, yeah. I thought. Uh, very uh, generous yeah. of spirit. Um, and I was very grateful. Honestly, the best... Yeah, the best festival I think I've done where I just felt in like the activities we did, like we went down on the river and, you know, the boat that I was on was struggled a little bit. Like we got stuck on the rocks, but it was just <laughs> such a fun like it was like camp. I've never been a camp, but I feel like that's what it would have been like. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, of course, now, as with any festival I've ever done, who knows whether they'll do it again. <laughs> I mean, I hope that they yeah. do. I don't have any information on that. But, of course, with the pandemic and things, you think, gosh, that's that's a little bit tricky. Yeah. I don't – yeah, I don't think live comedy is going to come back for a while. And nor should it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm that's me as yeah. a cautious from the health standpoint. Uh, I was angry that right. clubs were staying open as long as they did. But um, maybe if they right. can socially distance. But – What's the green room going to be like? Anyhow, there's a lot to think about. Right. Uh, and that now, speaking of mm-hmm. big places, though, the first place I saw you perform in Boise, it was like a cavernous gay dance club or something. It was a little <laughs> bit of a funky place. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> fun in a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was... Yeah, I... <laughs> Accurately described, Yeah, it? I have... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. I have no words. That was, yeah. Um, it was an experience. That's what I'll say. It was an yes. experience. It's one of those um, ones where you chalk it up to say, you know, how many different kind of places I performed. Well, there was this one time. <laughs> it's exactly. one of those. Yeah. Now uh, you are from Indiana. Born and raised. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was a very uh, a big pause there. I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, uh, what was the situation growing up? Were you a part of a big family? Um, that's a good question. Um, so I was my I was raised by a single mother, um, and I have two other siblings, and um, it's I guess it was not as big as I guess sorry i've never really thought of that question this is the first you got me on the first question um yeah i (laughs) yeah it wasn't that big i guess now i think it was more immediate like you know my aunt um and my mom and my brothers more or less like stuck together for like small things like uh, thanksgiving and you know christmases we'd invite extended family over but yeah i guess we're pretty knit tight tight knit and and within that tight knit uh, group were you encouraged to be funny was there a natural inclination to perform was that something that you found early you know it's funny I think when I was seven I remember the story vividly um in first grade we had to write about a picture of we had to like it was like a dog and this person and we had to write a sentence about that and I remember writing oh it's funny because the dog looks like it's talking and i that was like my first inclination of what comedy or being funny was <laughs> and i realized that i think it was also like more of a deflection of things so it was teased too growing up and i think i kind of used 
comedy as a deflection for that. So I ended up getting class clown in high school, um, which I think was a scam because I went around going for like, vote for me for best dancer and doing the robot and didn't get that. But, you know, I guess consolation prize being um, class clown. But I think, yeah, I, I always wanted to do something like, oh, everyone's like, you're going to be an SNL. But I was never really into sketch. And the thing is, I only got into comedy 2016 because I wanted to be the center of attention. But also, like, I liked making people laugh. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, stand up is perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I <laughs> it's funny because I knew I'd be in comedy some way and I just didn't know how. And when I lived in L.A., it kind of it kind of fell into what's the word orbit. I don't know. Whatever that nice word for saying that is. Y- yes. Just kind of came to yeah. settled in. And and which two, uh, 2016 is uh, when you were in Los Angeles. That's yeah. when you started. I moved to LA from, yeah, I was in LA from 2014 to 2018. And uh-huh. I started comedy in like 2016. And, and what made you want, I wasn't, sorry, what made yeah. you want to be the center um, of attention at that moment? I think it was also, that was when, oh, slightly before Trump got elected. Um, I don't know. I think I had just been at a place because I I went to therapy. I go to therapy. And I think there was a point where I just felt restless with my career and my extracurriculars. I I, I just didn't want to be the type of person that got off of work and then just went home to watch TV. That was just so mundane to me and so boring. And... I think comedy was a good outlet for everything I was going through, especially with coming to terms with my blackness and my queer identity. It helped me kind of formulate a, uh, it like it helped me process all that. Because you were able to talk about it on stage. Exactly. Yeah. And seeing my growth, like my older videos to now, I'm like, wow, I really have changed and I've grown. And it, it that's really insightful to see. Mm-hmm. And, and what brought you to Los Angeles in the first place? The career. I wanted to be a writer. I, I still do, I guess, now. Um, but I <laughs> a graduated writer. Indiana University. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And I had received, like, I wrote, wrote in college and did a short film that was really received well um, in college. And so I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. And I ended up being a studio PA for this entertainment company and worked my way to the writer's room. And I was in two writer's rooms being the writer's PA and also the set PA because they didn't hire. That's a long story, but um, I had a lot of work. They worked me. There were days where I'd work, get in at 6 a.m., leave at 2 a.m. And, um, but I was just fresh out of college. So I had the energy then. And I, loved being in the rooms but then sometimes hated it just because they hated the room I think they hated the company so Mm -hmm. it was very negative feeling and so I stopped I didn't like it I was laid off just because production had stopped and I got into trailers where I was in the music department for that Uh and um I kind of it's it's kind of came full circle because I moved to New York So I was like, I want to do comedy full time. And my job was nine to seven. So it was just, it was a lot. And I wanted to get better at comedy. And I knew New York was the place to do it. So summer 2018, I moved out here and just kind of went hard at it 
and I have a great job. I know. I'm sorry. I'm just like rambling. I feel like. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I'm I'm taking it in because I I want to hear how it all okay. kind of fits together. So I'm fascinated by it. And, oh. and uh, uh, oh. it's uh, I'm interested if there were other uh, comedians you saw who were able to um, explore in a very concrete way their identity, how, whatever that means for them. Uh, you know, on stage in the in the way that you were then able to do, or if that just came kind of very naturally. And uh, that wasn't an external thing, but just this is my chosen form of expression and this is what I know. So I'm going to put it out there. Yeah, I think it was that like because I, you know, I don't think anyone had my unique story, you know, like I grew up in predominantly white spaces, you know, but also grew up poor um, and battling like that. And then also not really realizing I was gay until I was like 24, 25, full. Pretty um, so it was, well, I don't know if that's late or not. I was going to yeah. say that seems late, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my experience. Yeah, so. definitely. <laughs> I, I'm a little jealous that I um, didn't get to find out when I was like 16 or something, you know, <laughs> yes. like you see in the TV. Right. Like, oh, 25, just figuring out how to date again. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my, it was very, it's, it was a good journey though. I think I, I, I see people talk about how like, um, there's a comedian that said they found out they were gay first before they were Asian. And I felt like that with um, <laughs> my identity, like, oh, I'm gay first. And then I figured I was black. And when I started doing comedy, that's when I started processing my blackness, too. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. did your therapy sessions get funnier? Um, actually, I turn them into bits. I use them as my stand-up practice. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, I uh, I, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I was going to say, I had a therapist where she would only laugh and not give me any kind of critical feedback. She would just, I'm like, okay, like, I know you think this is funny, but I need help. <laughs> you know, right. Not why I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, so I immediately dumped her. Um, was that the worst that therapist it. you had? I hope she hears this. <laughs> yeah, she fell asleep. Oh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm traumatized by that. She did text me. I feel like <laughs> she texted me to see how I was doing uh, during this whole corona pandemic. And I was just like, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> it was a very... Like we haven't talked, and it was like an ex that's checking in on you. I was like, okay, um, yeah, yeah, we are not talking, but yeah. But when they go go sideways, it can be a, a, a traumatic kind of experience. I know I was uh, trying to process some uh, issues around uh, grief and and uh, loss of my mother, that kind of thing, and then the lady kind of assumed a motherly role. Uh, that was problematic. Okay. And then I know another guy that was a. Uh, I could just tell he was after the money. You know, <laughs> there's really? something kind of kind of yeah, a nakedness about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's what I get for going to a therapist above a bagel store. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <it's... laughs> I have some weird associations with bagels now, too. Um, so what was the plan for New York pre-COVID? You're doing lots of shows that I knew about. But uh, what, what, what was mm-hmm. the you were going to go pretty hard into stand up and you were. Yeah. And then, yeah. And I, and I was doing great. My, I was like on track. I was doing a lot of shows and I was like feeling good where I was in the community too. And honestly, I was just going to work 
on my summer, like, I don't want to be like, oh, or to work on your body to be some sort of like, you know, like body shit. Um, but I was working out more consistently and working out helps my mental health. Um, yes, but absolutely. I was just going to be a hoe for the summer. Like I <laughs> had planned to <laughs> go to the beach every weekend, um, date as many people as I can. That was my goals, but now it's the opposite directly. Um, right. So you've put a hold on all pandemic dating. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I had one date that was a FaceTime date and then she stood me up mm. and I don't know if you know, Dale, but being stood up during quarantine is probably worse than being stood up in real life because, you know, they had no excuse to yeah, yes. stand you up, you know? Yes, I've had that experience with guests like, who are, are not able to appear and you're thinking, hmm, <laughs> okay, what are you doing? I know you're not doing huh. anything, um, but, you know, that's fine. Right. It's fine. This is exactly. also a time where, where people's creative energies can be used in all sorts of ways. They don't have to be on a podcast that's i understand yes true but that's as close as i can get to the idea of being stood up (laughs) yeah it's not great the i think the only reason why i liked her is because we had the same birthday oh that's nice oh this is attractive yeah and then i was like would i do this i was like (laughs) yeah i guess i would huh now um (laughs) yeah so I'm just not dating right now, which is hard because, gosh, I love, I love dating. Do you? That's. A, that's I think a... that would be my second career. <laughs> yeah, if I could be full time dating, I would. Like, if I could get paid for that, oh yeah, I'd, hands down. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't want to reduce it, but it, it can be like a little uh, mini gig, you know, a one on one gig. I, and again, that's how I use it. It's like therapy I use as a stand-up bit in Gates, you know, and then, right. um, <laughs> except I cry. Um, but <laughs> on a dates, I'm just like, do-do-do-do. It's like this persona I have, like, I'm really great. I'm just really good at dating. I'm just so good at it. Well, good, <sighs> good. You should honor the things yeah. that we're good at and pursue them. That's wonderful. Well, uh, speaking of, since that's kind of off the table, uh, after all this time inside and reflecting and uh, marching and all that, um, have you had any clarity on what it is you want to emerge doing? Is there a passion project, perhaps? Yeah, I want to either be a talk show host or just because it seems like easy work. Um, But... I, I want a TV show. I want a show that shows, you know, black queer representation and stories that are not really seen. Yep. Um, one of my favorite shows is Insecure. And it took, I think when it first came out, it's like 2016. So like 26 years, I was 26 years old. And it took 26 years for someone to be like, oh, you remind me of this character. Right. And that was the first right. time I'm like, wow. You know, you have all these shows that people are like, oh, you remind me of a Monica. You're a, you're a Rachel, you know, or mm-hmm. I don't know, Cheers. And, you know, like <laughs> these, I, I think it's more of like seeing the same types of black stories that are not told by black people and having a show like that where it's a different perspective and finally people are like receptive of that right. is very like, okay, that's exactly what I want to do. 
Well, I think you should be able to do it, and it's much much needed. So that's uh, I. Yeah. However, I could help you make that happen. Just let me know. Sure, sure. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I'm I want your it. voice to be heard. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the exact opposite. I know. I. Yeah. <laughs> I want, but, honestly uh, i think i want you to star in it is that okay um you're the <laughs> if i could somehow bring some representation uh, to black queer voices through the guise of a straight white male i would be happy to do it <laughs> honestly that's what's needed um <laughs> well i i know we we have to wrap things up soon. But, uh, you know, I'm changing how I do things with my own uh, crystal collection, uh, investing in more plants, um, uh, consulting more black astrologers. Are there any changes to your self-care routine that you want to share? I know you can't do as much working out as you'd like to, but are you doing any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I was, and then the whole, like, American civil unrest happened. Um, But I was running and then doing like (laughs) ab workouts and stuff just to like you know if summer does come back like ready to like flaunt them to the girls I might see yeah um but yeah I I, my self-care now is really just eating whatever I want and uh not feeling bad about it and taking (laughs) bubble baths listen that's a good idea That's pretty good. Are we, we talk, we, are we talking the bath bombs or you got some kind of gel? Some gel that my roommate had that's safe for your vagina. So It's um, crucial. It's crucial. It's very... <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I'm just, just... Just trying to... Just trying to survive, you know? I do know. I do know. And uh, which that's... A fine goal for these times. Um, <laughs> and now uh, you've got to get back to to it, to working and all that. Um, uh, I, right? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. This you, is uh, not lying to you. <laughs> yes, you're fortunately still uh, uh, employed, and that's uh, great. Um, yeah. And Don't tell re- a lot of people. I, I don't want to brag. No, Sorry. no. Okay. We'll, we'll keep this part very quiet. Uh, but but I really do. Uh, I thank you for your work and your presence, Alicia. And uh, are you going to do any some online shows? You're doing that? Are you able to do that? I am. I, I, it's not as, you know, fun because it's, I love live like interaction. I love interacting with people. So I have been, but I'm also just trying to like more work on writing and dedicating more time to that. Yes, yeah. Well, I certainly miss uh, being in the same room with my guests. So, but I appreciate you joining me this way uh, through the internet telephony, uh, reliable or unreliable as it may be. Um, but this has been really great, and I hope that we do have a chance to sit down together in the future. Yeah. That would be great. So thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Yes, of course. And I hope to see you, like I said, out in the real world uh, soon. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, I so appreciate Alicia, and I thank her uh, for being with us. Always awkward to end these digital calls. <laughs> maybe I'm just bad on the phone. I don't. I think maybe I wait too long for people to end. Anyhow, it's something I'm going to work on in digital therapy. Oh, my goodness. 
Well, uh, I'm so glad you could join me this week, too. I hope you're blessed with good health and safety. And uh, remember to donate to worthy causes as we have been, uh, like the Okra Project, Trans Lifeline, or others. There are many others out there right now. And uh, finally, remember, wear the mask. And although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced and performed by James Bewley. Season 12 podcast icon illustrated by Lars Litaro. Deep Night Season 12 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the episode is provided by the talented roster at Haller Hills Farm in Ohio. Production studio space provided by Harvestworks here in New York City. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or tune in on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Thank you for listening, and this season... I encourage you all to leave your portals open.